We want to welcome everybody watching on live stream today. We thank you for joining us. We pray that you will be blessed and inspired and your faith will go to another level as you hear and receive the Word of God today. Now, I was not scheduled to speak again until next Sunday, but I just couldn't wait. Amen. I mean, you know, why should Justin have all the fun? (laughs) Amen. So I will be speaking in the 11 o'clock service next Sunday as well. And uh, and already looking forward to it, praise God. But over the last several days, actually several weeks, in praying and just listening to the Spirit of God, I have had this come up in my spirit several times. And I did again last night and again this morning. So uh, I've learned not to ignore it. And when the opportunity arises, preach on it. (laughs) And so the opportunity has come. Now, here's what I heard. It's time to press into the prophetic promises of God. It's time to press into the prophetic promises of God. Now, what does this mean? First of all, let me define the word press. And I want to give you several definitions. Number one is the state of being persistent. The state of being persistent. Number two, to be urgent or demanding, compelling action from oneself. To be urgent or demanding, compelling action from oneself. Number three, to engage in a relentless manner for a certain cause. To engage in a relentless manner for a certain cause. Let me just inject this. This is not for wimps. <laughs> Number four, to make a strenuous effort to achieve something of great importance. To make a strenuous effort to achieve something of great importance. Number five, to earnestly endure, to earnestly endure. And then number six, to hold fast without wavering or compromising, to hold fast without wavering or compromising. Now, this is what the apostle meant, apostle Paul meant when he wrote in Philippians 3.14, and I know you're familiar with this verse. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I press. Notice he said, I press. And Paul never preached anything to someone else that he didn't practice himself. And I learned to follow his example a long time ago. And I don't preach something that I don't practice myself. I press. I press. I constantly press toward the fulfillment of what God has promised. And once I found out it's promised to me, then I might be small in stature, but I got a bulldog tenacity. (laughs) Amen. I don't let go. I don't give up. I don't quit. Quitting is not an option. You've heard me say it a million times. Quitting is not an option. Look at your neighbor and say, quitting is not 
an option. So he says, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Now the message translation says it this way. I'm off and running and I'm not turning back. I'm off and running and I'm not turning back. That's the attitude that we must all have if we truly desire to see the fulfillment of God's promises. It simply comes down to how much do you want them? How much do you want them? You know, when I really want something, I don't give up until I get it. Amen. And I'm not talking about just spiritual things. You know, I mean, desires of my heart. Now, I've learned to, you know, make sure that it's not something that would be against the will of God or something that would be sinful or out of order or out of line. But, you know, I have certain desires. Everybody has desires. Everybody got desires in here? And, you know, if you're full of the Word of God, then obviously they're, gonna, they're, they're not going to go contrary to what you know to be God's best for your life. But there are certain things that I desire. You know, that really don't have any spiritual connotation to him at all. It's just something I like. Thank you for your enthusiasm. <clears throat> I like driving Corvettes. I like Corvettes. And this is not something I just started recently. My first one was when I was 16 years old, a 68 Corvette. It was wrecked because <laughs> my daddy was a paint and body man and every car I ever owned. By the time I got my driver's license, it had been wrecked first and we rebuilt it. If somebody gave me a brand new car, I had to run it into a tree to learn how to drive it. <laughs> it was wrecked, but dad knew how much I loved Corvettes. Uh, General Motors had trained him to be a Corvette specialist. And when they came out in 1953, uh, the Chevrolet dealership he worked for <clears throat> sent one home with him. I'll never forget. I come home from school. I was about six years old or so, six or seven. And that polo white 53 Corvette was sitting in my dad's garage behind our house. I saw the back end of it. And I didn't even go into the house first. I just went straight to the garage. And my dad is out there, and he's looking at it. I said, Dad, whose car is this? He said, well, it was sent home with me, and I've been told, wreck it, rebuild it, tear it apart, restore it, until I can do it in my sleep. I said, you going to wreck this thing? He said, I'm going to wreck it. I'm going to run it into a tree or something. Because that's what he was told to do. They were made out of fiberglass, still are. They're made out of fiberglass. And not many paint body men knew how to work fiberglass back in those days. And so dad became a Corvette specialist. And uh, I remember uh, Mr. Howard Crumley, who owned the Chevrolet dealership there in Shreveport, where I grew up. He knew how much I loved Corvettes. And every year, he would tell my daddy, bring Jerry, the new Corvettes have come in. I know how much he likes them. And so... Dad would take me to work with him on Saturday. And I'd go in the showroom, and Mr. Crumley would meet me. 
And he'd say, sit down in it, Jerry. I never will forget that 57 Corvette. Oh, that 57 Corvette. It was black with red interior, four-speed transmission, two four-barrels, 275 horse. And I sat in that car, and he said, get in the driver's seat. And I sat in the driver's seat. Couldn't even see over the steering wheel. (laughs) Mr. Crumley sat down next to me. He said, Jerry, can you see yourself driving one of these someday? I said, yes, sir, I can. I'm going to have one just like this. And I do. (laughs) (laughs) Sitting in my museum right now, praise God. Amen. So, the point is, the Bible says if you delight yourself in the Lord, he will give you the desires of your heart. God is not against Jerry Savelle owning Corvettes. That's right. Amen. And did you notice I had S on the end of it? Yes. Corvettes. When, when our girls were little uh, and, and I got my first Corvette when they were just real small, it was a 76 Corvette. I brought it home, and, and of course, it had T-tops, and the, and the back window would flip up, you know, and, and the girls wanted to ride in the back. It only had two seats in the front. They wanted to ride in the back, and they'd crawl back there and look out that, that rear window and wave at everybody, and Jerry Ann would say every time we'd get ready to go to church, Daddy, let's go in the Corfat. She called it a Corfat. I said, girls, it's, it's so small. You can barely fit in the back of it. Yeah, but we want to wave at everybody. And we'd get in the Corfat and uh, drive to church. And everywhere that we went, they wanted to get in the Corfat. And so over the years, you know, I've given Corvettes away. And God would bless me with another one. You know, people need to understand that God's not against everything you like. He just wants to be first place. You say, well, how do I know when God's first place? When he tells you to give it away. If you can't give it away, then he's not first place. Not only that, you don't have it, it has you. Amen. Now I've given them away. I've, I've blessed people with them. Uh, don't raise your hands for who's next. But uh, it's just something I desire. I, I like them. And, and you, have to, you have to like them to own them because they're not practical. You're going to get two people in them. But that's all I want. <laughs> Carolyn won't even hardly ride with me. So I'm all by myself. Hallelujah. And nobody's telling me how to drive. And I don't even turn, I don't even turn that GPS on in it. Because that woman sounds too much like Carolyn. <laughs> Turn left. <laughs> I get Jess and Kathy DePlantis were with us yesterday. And of course, Kathy was here speaking in Carolyn's, uh, what do you call it? Christmas tea. Christmas tea area. And uh, Jesse was hanging out with me. Oh, did we ever have a good time? All by ourselves. Hallelujah. Nobody was telling us what to do. <laughs> and so Jesse said, I remember one time when we were here. And uh, we were all going to Uncle Julio's for lunch. And uh, we all got in the car. And he, uh, you and Carolyn were in the front. And me and Kathy were in the back. 
and we're in our garage. And I turned the ignition on, Carolyn said, back up, Jerry. I said, Carolyn, I figured that much out by myself. If I go forward, I'll wind up in our den. But I will say, if it wasn't for Carolyn, I'd be lost half the time, okay? (laughs) But I do know how to back out of the garage. Amen. So anyway, God's not against us having things that we desire, just as long as we keep him first place. And it's something that's not going to uh, affect your spiritual life and your, your relationship with him. I don't allow those things to do that. In fact, if I, if I sense that it's trying to take co- control of me, then that's when I start giving it away. Amen. Because I'm not going to let anything control me. I'm not going to let anything stand between me and my relationship with God. Amen. So it simply comes down to, in regard to experiencing the fulfillment of God's promises and God's prophetic words to us, is how much do you really want it to come to pass? How much do you really want it to come to pass? And how long are you willing to persevere? Now, you've heard me say this before. Kenneth Hagin was famous for saying it. I borrowed it from him. If you're willing to stand forever, it won't take very long. Paul said, having done all to stand, stand. Brother Hagin would say, if you're willing to stand forever, then it won't take very long. Now, you know the prophetic word that uh, the Lord gave me for 2020. We're still in 2020. Have you noticed? We're still in 2020. It's almost up, but we're still here. A few, few days left. And you remember that word was that God would open a new door and supernatural increase would come as never before. And I have literally experienced this and I'm still experiencing it. I mean, it has been one of the most awesome years I've ever had in over 50 years of ministry. It has been awesome. I've had breakthrough after breakthrough. Things I've been believing for for 20 years have come to pass this year. And it's all happened during a pandemic. It's all happened when the world's screaming, you know, worst of times. Well, it hadn't been my worst of times. It's been my best of times, praise God. But I attribute that, first of all, to the faithfulness of God in honoring His Word. And I want to add my faithfulness. Amen. Your faith has something to do with it. Amen. Your determination not to give up just because it looks like it's never going to happen. No, that's what perseverance is all about. The Lord gave me a great definition for perseverance. Oh, probably 40-something years ago. And he simply said this, perseverance means outlasting the devil. Amen. Outlasting the devil. Because you know he's our enemy, and he tries to talk us into giving up. And uh, if you give up, then it's not likely you're going to experience the fulfillment of the promises. Amen. So here it is, almost the end of 2020, And I'm still experiencing supernatural increase. God has opened. It seemed like when one door opened for me, 
then it was like a domino effect and, and doors just kept opening, just kept opening. Amen. Um, I, I mentioned earlier, we, we, over the last few days, we kept our airplane out at Spinks here in Burleson. You know where Spinks Airfield is? Many of you do. But because God just recently blessed us with the, with the international aircraft, Spinks didn't have room for us out there. Uh, they didn't have a hangar space. And I don't want my airplane setting out in the wet elements and the weather and all that all the time. And so I had to move to Meacham Field. And I, I used to keep my airplanes out at Meacham Field uh, years ago at Texas Jet. And they were, they were thrilled to get me back. And it just so happened. It just so happened that when I went out there to talk to them about hangar space and offices, it just so happened somebody was moving out of a beautiful suite right at the end of the runway upstairs where I can watch airplanes take off and land all day long. And I love that. Don't you love it? Oh, I love having offices out at the airport where I can just watch them take off and land. Oh, hallelujah. And we got it all set up, got the hangar space, moved out there. And I got to sit out there just, what was it, day before yesterday, sat in my new office, watching airplanes take off and land. And I just got overwhelmed with the goodness of God. Not only that, but in the lobby of my office, there's a big window that looks down into the hangar. And I can just stand there and look at my airplane. I asked, I asked the people at Texas Jet, I said, how many guys do you think on this airport, and especially renting space from you, have airplanes that are paid for? Not many, they said. In fact, the reason why some of these people were moving out of the offices that I have now is because they couldn't afford to keep up the aircraft. And some of them were shutting their businesses down. But God. But God. <laughs> Amen. See, I'm not expecting the worst. I'm expecting the best. Uh, you have, uh, should I remind you, I am Mr. Favor. <laughs> Hallelujah. And you are Mr. or Mrs. Favor as well. Some of you just don't put a demand on it like I do. I put a demand on that all the time, praise God. Amen. So once again, the prophetic word was for 2020, a new door, uh, opening a new door, and supernatural increase would come as never before. And now, I said it earlier, and I'm going to say it again. I have literally experienced this all year long, and I'm still experiencing it. And like the Apostle Paul said, I am not turning back. Amen. Too often God's people give up too quickly. Jesus said in Matthew eleven twelve, 12, uh, from the King James, it says the, the kingdom of God uh, suffereth violence, but the violent take it by force. The Amplified says a share in the heavenly kingdom is sought with most ardent zeal an intense exertion. Now, is that the way you approach the promises of God? 
A share in the heavenly kingdom is sought with most ardent zeal and intense exertion. Now, that's where we lose a lot of Christians that that don't have that kind of determination. The attitude with so many Christians, if it doesn't come to pass by dark, I'm not playing anymore. Well, you just, you can't have that kind of attitude and expect to walk in the blessings of God, the fulfillment of the promises of God. The attitude is you stick with it you last until it happens. Amen? Well, how long do I have to do that? Until it comes to pass. Well, when will it come to pass? When you don't have to do it anymore. <laughs> Amen? Having done all to stand, stand. How long do I have to stand? Until it comes to pass. Uh, when will it come to pass? When you don't have to stand no more. There's, there's, no, there's no break in between having done all to stand, stand. Having done all to stand, stand. Look at your neighbor and say, having done all to stand, stand. There's, there's no options. Amen. So, when you are convinced that what God is saying, either through the prophetic word or through the written word, when you are convinced that it's what God wants you to experience, then you should let nothing stop you from receiving it. Amen? You don't give up until you literally possess it. And you're able to testify to it, praise God. Here's what God has done. Now, the Passion Translation for this same scripture says, passionate people take hold of it. Passionate people take hold of it. How passionate are you about God's Word? How passionate are you regarding God's promises? How passionate are you regarding the prophetic Word? I'm passionate. This is the way I look when I'm passionate. (laughs) Determined. Hallelujah. If God says that I can have something, then I'm not giving up till I have it. And you've heard me say this before. If God didn't intend for me to have it, then he should have never put it in my book, the Bible. Because once I find it, I'm going for it and I'm not giving up. Amen. Amen. I'm not giving up. You might be thinking, but you don't understand how the devil's been fighting me. You don't understand that I've done my best to stand, but it's... It's hard, Brother Jerry. I know it's hard. I didn't say it was easy. If it was easy, everybody would be experiencing the fulfillment of the promises of God. Amen. But once again, that's what perseverance is all about. Perseverance. I think, I think the problem with most people is they've never learned how to persevere. They, they, they get to a certain point and they give up. They look for the path of least resistance. I was that way before I got uh, committed to God. I, I looked for the path of least resistance. If it put on, if it put pressure on me, then I'll show them I'll quit. And I did. I did all the time. I, I, I'd, I'd get to a certain level, 
And, and the pressure would come, and I'd just quit. But when I got in the Word of God, that all changed. The very first scripture I read after I totally surrendered my life to God. Now, I'd had experiences with God prior to that, but this is when I totally committed myself to God. The first scripture I read was, If you continue in my word, you will be my disciples indeed, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. And that little word, continue, jumped out of my Bible into my heart, and the Spirit of God said, That's the missing ingredient in your life. You've started a lot of things, but you don't ever finish anything. You don't continue. And he said, if you don't develop the art of continuing, then you will never be the man I want you to be, the preacher I want you to be, the husband I want you to be, the father I want you to be. I stood up and said, that old Jerry Savelle is dead and gone and he will never exist again. Hallelujah. And here I be. (laughs) A new man. Hallelujah. And what has been my assignment for 50, over 50 years now, teach people how to win. And God took a loser and turned him into a winner and said, now teach people how to win by the authority of my word. Amen. That's our theme around here. Winning in life. Can you say amen? And I believe I'm looking at a house full of winners. Hallelujah. Lift your hand and say, I'm a winner. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, once again, to persevere means to outlast the devil. God would never tell us to do this if it wasn't possible. You know, James chapter 4, verse 17. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Now, how persistent are you in doing that? See, we we resist the devil for a time. And then he shows back up. And maybe we'll resist him a little more. And then he shows back up. Brother Hagin used to say, if you've never listened to Kenneth Hagin, please do so. I learned so much from this man. And I'm still applying the principles I learned about faith from this man. And, and I'm, I listen to him almost every day. I never get tired of listening to Kenneth Hagin. And, and Brother Hagin would say, uh, uh, somebody would say, well, Brother Hagin, you're so positive, you'd probably say something good about the devil. And he'd say, well, he is a persistent cuss. <laughs> you know, the, the devil's not going to just flee when you say, stop it, devil. Amen. Stop it. Don't do that no more. My my dog won't even pay attention to me if I stop it. You quit running out of the yard. He don't pay any attention to me. It's when his name is Cash. And the reason his name is Cash, my grandson Mark James bought him. And, and and he only, he only had what six dollars was it? Ten dollars. Mark James only had ten dollars in his pocket, and he drove by and saw they were selling puppies, and they wanted ten dollars for them, and he had ten dollars cash, so he named the dog Cash. <laughs> now Cash does not pay any attention to me if I said, "You stop it, Cash! Don't you bark anymore!" 
Cash, shut up. <laughs> Amen. Brother, Hague, uh, Brother Smith Wigglesworth used to say, that's the way you got to treat the devil. Amen. Now, submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil. Resist the devil. How persistent are you in doing this? Do you have a time frame of how long you're going to do it? And if he doesn't flee, you're going to quit? Resist the devil and he will flee. The message translation says, let God work his work in you. Yell a loud no to the devil and watch him scamper. <laughs> Amen. Put that up there. The message translation. So let God work his will in you. Yell a loud no to the devil. Everybody tell the devil right now with a loud no. No! <laughs> I think he heard you. And then it goes on to say, say a quiet yes to God and he'll be there in no time. Hallelujah. Isn't that good? Amen. So in other words, stand your ground and refuse to waver. There are examples all over the word of God of people who had and demonstrated a relentless faith and how that God rewarded them by fulfilling what he had promised to them. And caused it to come to pass in their lives. And the Apostle Paul says, all those stories were written for our benefit. You know, when, when, when I'm believing God for something to happen, whether it be financial blessing or healing or, or, or a family member coming to Christ or whatever it is, I don't go turn on CNN. And just suck off that all day long. Amen. I don't know another word to use, but it may not have been the best choice of words. But some of you do. You suck off CNN all the time. Just. No wonder you want to quit all the time. Dear God, faith does not come by watching CNN. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing the Word of God. Now, something does come by watching CNN. Fear, dread, worry, discouragement. And I might add Fox News has jumped on the wagon too. So I don't watch either one of them. Why do I want to watch something that by dark, it'll be yesterday's news. I'm going to read about today and tomorrow's news. Hallelujah. I read the back of the book. I win. I win. You win. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Now, Paul says that all those stories were written for our benefit. Romans 15, 4. That we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. That we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. The Passion Translation says it this way. The scriptures impart to us encouragement and inspiration so that we can live in hope and endure all things. 
That's what the scriptures are for. You got the passion up there? Whatever was written beforehand, all the stories of these great men and women with relentless faith, those stories were written, meant to instruct us in how to live. The scriptures impart to us encouragement and inspiration so that we can live in hope and endure all things. I'm living in hope. Hallelujah. Why? Because I've been in the Word. Glory to God. That's the source of my hope. Praise God. That's the reason I feed on the Word day and night. I'm a man of hope. Hallelujah. I have hope for tomorrow. I have hope for the rest of the year. I have hope for even a better next year. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And I got all that from the Scriptures. Now, the message translation goes on to add this. Keeping us alert for whatever he might do next. Amen. The, the scriptures and these stories about these men and women of relentless faith were written so that it would keep us alert for whatever God might do next. That's why you need to stay in the word. So these examples will constantly encourage you to press on. Read about uh, uh, the little woman with the issue of the blood and how she persevered. Read about the woman who went to the unjust judge and she would not give up. She would not accept no for an answer. Read the story of Joshua and Caleb who would not uh, uh, turn back because 10 other spies had negative reports. They said, we are well able to take this mountain. And when uh, he was very old, he's still reminding God of that promise. This is my mountain. You promised me this 40 years ago, and I want it now. Hallelujah. Amen. Relentless faith. Those stories are in there so that it will inspire you. I don't read stories like that and walk away and say, well, I wish that was me. No. I walk away saying, if God did it for them, he will do it for me. I'm a child of God. Hallelujah. The book of Hebrews, particularly the 11th chapter, talks about and shares many stories of men and women of relentless faith and how that God honored that faith and fulfilled promises that had been given to them. In Hebrews eleven thirty three and 34, who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, and obtained promises. Oh, underline that. Through faith. What did they do? They obtained promises. Obtained promises. The prophetic word is a promise. They obtained promises. The Passion Translation says, their faith, now listen to this, their faith fastened onto the promises and pulled them into reality. Glory to God. Their faith fastened onto their promises and pulled them into reality. I got, a, I got an example to give you. Rick, you have that rope? Yes, sir. Now, Rick, I'm very sorry. I'm, I'm, I apologize in advance. You're going to play the devil. <laughs> All right, here we go. We got this. All right. Now, you stand over here. And you take the end of that rope. 
And notice I got it tied around the Bible because that's full of promises. You hold the rope, not the Bible. Just let it hang there. Those are the promises. That character's trying to keep me from them. And notice he's already pulling. What? Why? Because Jesus said, once the word is sown, Satan cometh immediately. He's already started. I didn't even tell him to start. He did it on his own. Good job. Good example. Now, I'm, I'm endeavoring to pull those promises to me. But I've got somebody trying to keep it from happening. An adversary. But let's remember, resist the devil and he will flee. Oh, wait a minute. Go back to the first part of that verse. Submit yourselves to God. Tony, you play God. <laughs> Wrap your arms around me and help me pull them promises to me. <laughs> Come on, Ray. Come on, bring the promises. <laughs> you got the point. Amen. Thank you, sir. <laughs> Amen. Notice once again. Their faith fastened onto the promises and pulled them into reality. That's the way you got to do it. And remember, God's on your side. You're not in this alone. Amen. You can pull those promises into reality. But hey, you know what? That rope around my hand was beginning to hurt. In fact, he made an indention. I could have given up. I didn't say it was easy, even with God helping. Amen. But God will not let you fail. You just hang in there. Amen. Now, fastened. Let me give you a definition of fastened. They, their, their faith fastened onto the promises. It means to firmly attach to. It means to firmly, I mean, to securely attach to. So that you're not likely to give up or to give in or to give way. Another definition is to become incapable of being overcome with doubt or discouragement. Incapable of becoming overcome with doubt or discouragement. Now, the message translation, or, uh, drop down to verse 34 of Hebrews 11. And it says, they waxed valiant in fight. They waxed valiant in fight. That means, from the message translation, they turn disadvantage into advantage. In other words, their attitude was, what Satan is meaning for bad, God's going to turn it into something good. I'm going to take a disadvantage, and God's going to turn it into an advantage. Can you say something like, Amen. <laughs> All right. Now, verse 35 says, they refuse to give in from the message translation. They refuse to give in. So that's how you lay hold upon the prophetic promises. Now, before I close, I want to, I want to, and I, I must tell you this. 
It's not likely, you're not likely to be able to persevere if this is not, first of all, a revelation to you. God is faithful. Amen. If you're not deeply convicted of that reality, then it's not likely you're going to be able to persevere. Because if you don't think God is faithful, then, then you're not going to be willing to persevere in the first place. Not only that, but you, you don't have any grounds to stand on. Well, Deuteronomy chapter 7 verse 9 says, Know this, know this, know therefore, know but you never say, you got to know this. Amen. Know therefore that the Lord thy God, he is God, the faithful God, which keepeth covenant. And it goes on to say, to a thousand generations. That includes you and me, praise God. Amen. Amen. Your God is the faithful God. Amen. Now, once again, that has got to become a, 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 a reality, a revelation. You're deeply convicted of it. Amen. That God is the faithful God. And if he is the faithful God, then if he says he's going to open a door for you and supernatural increase will come as never before, then you can take it to the bank. Well, that's not a good example anymore. You can hang on to it. <laughs> Banks are not reliable like they used to be, okay? You can hang on to it. Amen. Now, let me, let me finish this with the message translation says, He's a God who can be depended upon. And verse 12 says, He will love you, He will uh, bless you, and He will increase you. Amen. First Kings chapter 8 verse 56, Blessed be God, there hath not failed one word of all His good pleasure or good promises. Blessed be God, there hath not failed one word of all his good promises. Psalm 105, verse 42 and 43, For he remembered his holy promise. He brought forth his people with joy and his chosen with gladness. That's talking about when he, he brought the children of Israel out of the bondage of Egypt. He promised them that he would do that. And he kept his word. He brought them out. Titus chapter 1, verse 2 God cannot lie. He has never lied and he never will. He's not subject to any of man's weaknesses or limitations. He's all powerful. He's the sovereign God. And Jeremiah said, Our Lord God, behold, thou hast made the heaven and the earth by thy great power, stretched out arm, and there is nothing too hard for thee. Luke one thirty seven. the angel said to Mary, For with God... Nothing shall be impossible. Lamentations three twenty one through twenty four. This I recall to my mind. Therefore have I hope. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed, because His compassion fails not. They are new every morning, and great is Thy faithfulness. Hallelujah! Somebody give the Lord a shout. Praise God. And verse 25 from the Amplified says, The Lord is good to those who wait hopefully and expectantly. Mark chapter 5 verse 36, Jesus said, Be not afraid, only believe. Mark 9, 23, Jesus said, All things are possible to him that believeth. Hallelujah. Amen. 
And then 2 Corinthians 1.20, all the promises of God in him are yea and in him, amen. Hallelujah. Now, just because you don't see him come to pass overnight, remember Acts chapter 7, verse 17. But when the time of the promise drew nigh, there is a time for the promise to draw nigh. Wait for it. Wait for it. Acts chapter 1, verse 4. But wait for the promise. Jesus told the disciples, uh, uh, go to the upper room and wait for the promise of the Holy Ghost. Amen. They waited. Notice it didn't happen overnight. It didn't happen the moment Jesus spoke it. But they waited. And on the day of Pentecost, hallelujah, it happened just like he said. But they had to wait for it. Be willing to wait for it. Can you say amen? Hebrews 6, 12, the message translation says, Be like those who stay the course with committed faith and then get everything promised to them. And let me close it with this. I'm not done, but I'll just close. Because I'm hungry too. And I want to be, I want to beat you to the restaurant. <laughs> I'm an honest preacher. <laughs> That's the reason why when I walk out, Justin's going to pray so I can get to the restaurant before you do. <laughs> All right, now, Isaiah. Here, here's, here's some promises to hold fast to. Isaiah 41, verses 10 through 13 from the New International Version. For I am the Lord your God who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, do not fear, I will help you. Thank God we have help. Matthew 6, 24 through 34, the New International Version. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. First Chronicles 20. Verse 15 through 17, New International Version. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the battle is not yours but God's. Take your position, stand firm, and see the deliverance the Lord will give you. First Peter chapter 5, verse 6, the message translation. God's strong hand is on you. He'll promote you at the right time. Isaiah 43, verses 1 through 3 from the message translation. Don't be afraid. Your mind, says the Lord. When you're in over your head, I'll be there to help you. Hallelujah. That's a good promise. Amen. Give the Lord a great shout. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, here's my last close. (laughs) What is our word for 2021? Abundant overflow. Abundant overflow. How many of you are going to practice what I just preached to you this morning? And watch this come to pass in your life. Expect it to come to pass. I encourage you, go for it and don't turn back. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Stand to your feet and give the Lord a a great shout of praise because he's the faithful God. Hallelujah. Amen, amen, and amen. Lay hands on the person next to you and pray this prayer over them. You're not going to pray it for yourself because somebody else is going to be praying it over you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray over my brothers and sisters. And I pray in Jesus' name 
that they will remain strong in you and in the power of your might, that the prophetic word that you have given us, not only for this year, but the following year, that they will lay hold upon it and not let go. They will develop a relentless faith, an unwavering faith, a non-compromising faith, and that you will do for them what you did for those in the Bible that are examples to us. You're no respecter of persons. So we fully expect that if we do what they did, we'll get the same results. So in Jesus' name, because I am a person of faith, I'm already praising you and thanking you in advance because I believe it is done in Jesus' name. And give him one more shout of praise. Amen. Hallelujah.